Welcome to the True Face Podcast. My name is Robbie Angle, and I'll be your guide as we have conversations about what we can learn from what's going on in our lives. Most of us get stuck in our relationships with God and others, and we end up wondering, is this really all there is to it? Here's a question. What if God isn't who you think he is and neither are you? The grace-based relational discipleship resources at trueface.org are there to help you answer that, to help you live into your true identity, to process these truths in community. And this conversation will help you do that, whether you're watching it on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this, like it, subscribe to it. And I'm super excited to introduce y'all to Mike Woodruff. He, He and I have bumped into each other about a half a dozen times over the past few years. And I signed up for this weekly email he does uh, a couple years ago called the Friday Update. You can go to Mike Woodruff, W-O-O-D-R-U-F-F.org and sign up for the weekly update. It's called the Friday Update. And I don't, I don't read uh, consistently many like updates, blogs, you know, daily, e- weekly things. But I'm a big fan of the way this guy thinks. Uh, he, he's been the senior pastor at Christ Church in the sh- north of Chicago since 2002. He was a college pastor, a management consultant, associate pastor. He's read a ton. Uh, he, he's, he's read a ton. He's written a lot. He's written a bunch of books. Um, he's been married for 39 years, three kids, one grandkid. Mike, you, you can introduce yourself better than that, but that's the high level. What did, what did I miss? No. Well, uh, I, I think... I was told never believe your own press releases, so that sounds pretty good. Better than the better than the truth. So let's just stop there. That's awesome. So, I you know I, the more I mature in my own security and identity, the more I'm uh, growing to appreciate really sincerely the the different gifts of the body of Christ and how God's made everybody differently. And I've been blessed by you from afar. And we have not spent a lot of time. We bump into each other have four minutes of conversation, and then I'll see you six months later somewhere else randomly. But I've been thinking about having you on the podcast because every Friday I feel blessed by you for the past couple of years because I'm like, uh, the, the gifts God's given you to think about how you think, to think well from a kingdom perspective is a gift. And the way that you've used your gift to synthesize what's going on and think about it well has been a blessing to me because it's taken a lot of time and synthesized a lot of truths for me. And so I, I, I was thinking uh, the other week, I was like, I need to get Mike on so I can pick his brain about that gift he has and, and your ministry experience, your gifts. I just want to say thanks. So thanks, man. Well, again, Robbie, you're being um, overly kind. That's great. Um, I'm not <laughs> telling you to stop. I'm just saying you're, you're being overly kind. And, and I, you know, writing a newsletter is sort of a weird thing. Uh, I mean, everybody has this experience now, and we're living on screens and Zoom and all that. So if you write a newsletter, and then you hit send, and uh, you, you schedule it, I guess. Uh, mine goes out at 2 in the morning, and people used to tell me, you know, you're working too late. I go, <laughs> you realize that's like done Thursday afternoon, and then people correct my spelling and all that stuff. So uh, I'm done. I'm not. I'm not sending it out at two in the morning. But, but it's sort of a lonely exercise unless somebody writes back and says, "Hey, this helped," or "Hey, I think you're wrong on this," or whatever. But I mean, just that interaction is helpful. 
And in terms of a podcast, I'm, I'm thrilled to come on. I've been doing a podcast for a few years. And one of the great things about doing a podcast is you think of, so you read somebody, you read a book and you go, wow, I got questions. Well, if you got a podcast, you got an excuse to come up and say, hey, I got, I got questions. I want to talk. It's been a real, that's been a real privilege and joy to engage with people. Um, yeah, as you said, in their passions, in their areas of expertise and their strengths and their reflections. So, yeah, glad, glad to be with you. And I think we have, I think our paths have crossed in Nashville and in Portland. I think that's, I, I don't know that we've met anywhere else, but, but at uh, the Q conference in Nashville and then at the Murdoch stuff uh, in Vancouver, Washington. I think also your neighborhood of Chicago, where at CLA. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that we've got three cities. Next needs okay. to be closer to here, Atlanta. Okay. You need to come down, hang out. Yeah. Um, all right. So we were talking about like, okay, different areas we could go with this to pick your brain and ask those follow-up questions. Um, you, you've you've been uh, you think well. That's a passion of yours, and you've got is it. Lake Life Institute, and also you've got a new book coming out on how to think about stuff. But also, you've been in ministry for quite a few decades. Uh, now that you're in your sixties, you've been leading a church. And as a thinker, I, I think we were talking before this about um, you're obviously an introspective thinker, and you overlay that with decades of ministry. I'd love the to pick your brain on the wisdom of what you're currently processing and looking at uh, in your leadership, in your church, and, and what you're learning. Well, I, so let me, let me say, the, the thinking well, I, I, I read somebody you know, 30 or 40 years ago, they said, um, I think for an hour a week, and because I think for an hour a week, I have a reputation for being a thinker. Uh, so I don't think I'm a thinker. Uh, I do what I, what I struggle with the way it sort of manifests itself to the extent that I am thinking, it's just, I'm confused. It's like, why is that happening? Like, why hmm. did that happen and not that? Or what's going on there? That doesn't make sense to me. Cause I, I would have assumed this. And so when I see things that don't make sense, it's almost a little, uh, you know, OCD, like, I got to go figure that out. Like, I got to, and and I'm much more of a curator than I am a thinker. I, I mean, I'm I'm just leaning into somebody else that's, that's thought about this, and I sort of live in that space that is, uh, uh, it's, I'm not, I do not have a PhD. I live below that level. I, I'm fascinated by those people who can spend a lot of time you know, 10 years focused on one area. I, I looked at PhD programs and I realized I have no idea what I do it in. I don't think I could stay focused on yeah. one topic long enough to finish it. I mean, I, I'm impressed with those who do, but uh, as a pastor, you sort of are, you know, it's a new topic every week and uh, that has fit my personality and just asking questions, trying to figure things out, my own heart, my own life, my own family. What? For for the participant members of your church, like what what do you hope members of your church do differently in regards to this rhythm of thinking differently, learning, synthesizing? Well, I think so. 
Yeah, I, I think what people hear, if they're at Christchurch for any length of time, uh, that is perhaps a little bit different from what you would hear at other churches. And we say all the time, look, we're, we're a church. We're a, we're a congregation. There's lots of great churches out there. We want to help all of them that are leaning into the gospel to grow and thrive and doesn't have to be here. Uh, but there are uniquenesses and you sort of sign up with a vision and you go, yeah, I get that, you know, no, no local church can do everything and we're going to focus on these things. I think I have argued, first of all, perhaps more than in some congregations that you've got to serve, like you got to find a niche, you got to figure out what your gifts are, how God has wired you. And then you got to serve inside or outside the walls of the church, uh, you know, formally or informally. Can, and, but you got to find a place to serve. And then the other things that I would be pushing people to do is that there's, there's a lot of, um, there's not a lot of downtime. There's a whole lot of people who are, who are either working or they're being entertained or they're, they've been, they're going with leisure, but they don't actually lean into any of the restorative practices. So for them, Rest is about leisure. It's about being entertained. It's about not thinking. Uh, you know, it, amusement, uh, I, I think, I'm right about this, to muse is to think the alpha in front of it would negate it. So, you know, a theist believes in God, and an alpha theist, an atheist does not believe in God. To muse is to think, and amusement is to not think. And a lot of people say, ah, oh, I'm exhausted, I worked all week, you know, tomorrow I'm going to not think about anything. And that, that's not bad. I mean, there's a time for that. But believe me, I, I lean into that. But there's also times when you just have to, you have to process what's going on in your life and in your heart and look at it or read or think deeply about your life and figure out what you're doing wrong. And that, I think that's ultimately what the Sabbath rest is supposed to include it is a restorative time it's not a take a nap not think it's a it'll look at my life look back over the last week look ahead to the next week who am i what am i supposed to be doing how do i do this better how can i be more faithful better husband you know better dad whatever better boss whatever that would be yeah I, the restorative is what I need and I long for. And I do correlate my go-to muscle rhythms is amusement, you know, yeah. uh, or leisure, which is not, it's not effective for me. I mean, it helps and there are times for that, but it's yeah. not restorative. I think the, the volume and velocity of life at this moment hmm. is such that there needs to be white space. Hmm. There needs to be, there just needs to be, I'm not going to think about anything. And so that, that's sort of a new practice for me in the last few years of starting my day with, you know, a prayer as I wake up and sort of stumble to the coffee pot and then to, to go to my study and, and sit and to just do nothing. And, and I say, it's, it's not really praying. I'm not, not against praying, obviously. And it's, it's before, I, um, before I start to read the Bible, engage in Scripture, start to think and wake up, I, I just want to calm my heart and allow my heart to be quiet 
so that should I need to hear anything from the Lord, or at it, the very, it's, I, I describe it to people. I say, look, I, my mind suddenly turns on, and it can be a popcorn popper, and all these things are bouncing around, and it's like, okay, I got to write that down. I got to, I got to email this person. I got to think about this. I there's that person I promised to do this, or I got that that idea that's been there. I'm going to write them all down on a piece of paper and just let the popcorn popper stop popping, hmm. and and then just start to engage in the day and. I have, um, I don't have it one within arm's reach, but I probably handed out 300 mason jars, mostly of Mississippi River water. And I, uh, I have it and I say, shake this up. And it's obviously gets very muddy. And I say, that is what my soul often feels like. And I said, I have to just sit there for a little while and let the and if you let it sit for five minutes, it will uh, it will obviously start to settle. Now it takes weeks for it to be perfectly clear, but I said sometimes that's my soul, and I just have to <clears throat> have to let everything settle so that I can hmm. start in a good spot. That that practice of just quiet solitude, whatever we call it. Um, if that's the catalyst for like uh, preparing your heart for the day in a restorative manner. Um, yeah. I, I've struggled to know what to do with that popcorn dynamic. Cause, yep. but, but you, in that time you allow solitude, my brain does go to popcorn, which usually if I take the bait on that, it pulls yep. me out of that solitude yep. space and I start chasing the, the so, what do you do practically with the popcorn things and yep. even the principle to let that all pop out before entering into that time with God? Yeah, so to be clear, I mean, I think there are people who can just sort of turn the popcorn popper off. I can't. I can't. What I can do is I can write those things down and then I can forget about them. So I have a piece of paper, a blank sheet of paper, and I usually end up writing you know, at least five, sometimes 20 things down before the popcorn popper turns off. And and I want to be clear, I don't do this every day. I yeah. want to do it every day. I say to people, you should start your time, you should start your day with the Lord every day. Aim for every day, celebrate five days a week. Like if you get five days a week, then that's great. And there's, you know, Sunday morning. So I'm I'm doing a thing right now uh, doing some writing on and speaking on the topic of the news and how it's changing, why it's changing, how it's changing us, what to do about it, how to, there's just a lot of things happening. Once you understand what's happening in terms of technology and in terms of the business models and in terms of the political and cultural issues, you understand why the news has sort of become as disruptive and dysfunctional as it is. So I say to people, look, I would never dream of waking up and looking at my cell phone and seeing what's going on in the world, or I don't do Twitter, but you know, I, I hear people that just immediately are back into the Twitter, <laughs> like, oh my goodness, that's like drinking battery acid. Like, how, how could you do that? I could not think about doing that. However, on Sunday mornings, um, when I'm preaching, I wake up and the first thing I do is I look at the phone, I look at the at the news because if you know North Korea has nuked South Korea, 
Uh, if there's been an earthquake and three million people in California have died, if there's been some, you know, if the president was shot, like yeah. that changes the sermon. Yeah. And I want to know that right out of the gate. So I look at the first story. If it's not the first story, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So there's, I don't want to suggest that, I mean, you know this, Robbie, we, those who live, those who are privileged to have a professional ministry assignment, it, people can think it's, uh, oh, it's wonderful, it's calm, it's, uh, it's spirit-led 100% of the time, it's great, it's like being on a perpetual retreat. But of course, that's not it at all, and I don't want people to think that's who I am or that's what my life looks like. So I aim for that quiet six days a week because on Sunday I am immediately in sermon, you know, delivery mode. Uh, but the other six days I want to start with prayer and then a cup of coffee and just some sit there and let the popcorn popper turn off. I think we need that white space and I, I don't think people get enough of that. Do you have uh, limits around screens for in your own life? Uh, I mean, nothing, nothing formalized. I don't. Um, so it, I mean, I'm not neither Sherry or I, or we don't watch a lot of TV. Um, uh, so that's not an attraction, um, that we, that we're necessarily fighting. Uh, we did after 38 years of marriage, uh, put a TV in our living room, uh, yeah. <laughs> a year ago because we said, you know, we'd like to watch football uh on sunday afternoons and uh we don't can't do that and so we did it the other day she asked me because we bought a big screen tv not huge screen but for us a big screen tv and she said do you think we made a good purchase on that because it's not on very often yeah i go i am i am thrilled to have bought the tv even if it's only uh occasionally that we watch it yeah um, so i i just wonder uh I can't in those morning rhythms. If I if I just look at my screen, it's oh, yeah. it's so hard for me to even be present enough in the solitude, the rhythms, the prayer to you know connect yep. and think well. Yeah, I know. I'm with you on that. I I read the Bible, a, a print edition of the Bible. Although obviously you can do it on a screen. I don't turn it on, I, and I certainly don't want to look at and glance at email or. To yeah. me, once you, I mean, this is all the Covey stuff from, you know, years ago. Once once you engage in the urgent, but not important, or just the urgent, your heart is, I mean, my heart anyway, is lost to the slow, contemplative, what's the right thing to do kind of thought. I'm now, oh my goodness, which, which is why I had that list. Write it on that list and then forget about it. And, and so I, the night before I go to bed, I try to look and say, okay, what's, What's the first thing that's going to make my blood pressure spike? And uh, how long can I not have to pay attention to it? Yeah. Um, so you're, you know, I started the way you uh, are thinking about this. Well, before I go to that, tell me about just a high, a couple high level cliff notes on new stuff for me. Like it's changed so much so yep. quickly that a lot of us are. Uh, I'm trying, I heard Eldridge talk about the micro traumas that we're hearing from the news from all over the world. We know about the death rate of COVID yep. in Bangladesh. And it's like, 
the micro traumas, the, we're not built for this. How should I be thinking or teaching my kids about how to steward news? Yeah. Well, so I'm, I'm saying a couple things. Uh, one is that we just need so much less news than we get. Hmm. And so I, I've developed a, a, a half dozen news rules, and one of them is, is less is more. And, and also to understand news is chasing us. So I, I encourage people to pay for news, to figure out who you trust, uh, and, to, and to pay for news. Because if you're not paying, if you're getting your news from someplace that's free, then you are the product. You're actually, you're just being entertained so that people can sell your eyeballs to somebody else. And so they're going to tell you whatever you want to hear. And the quality of news has dropped precipitously for about a half dozen reasons, one of which is just uh, there's a race to be first. And the fact that there's a race to be first and the fact that everybody with, a, with an iPhone or any sort of you know, phone, any sort of smartphone is a news provider means that you have lots of unqualified people posting stories. The qualified journalists have got to compete with that to get the stories yeah. out. The quality of news is going down. They're chasing you. They'll tell you whatever you need to hear, whatever you want to hear. So we just have to, to do a lot less, and we have to be skeptical of the news, especially if it affirms our priors. Like, if it's telling me what I want to hear, that the other side is even more evil than I thought, then I have to be really skittish about that. So, I, I mean, hey, I've got, you know, four hours of stuff. I could talk about the news all day. But I would say, we'd say to your kids, you know, we want some news, but more important to know the names of our neighbors than it is to know the names of world leaders uh, who, who don't affect us and focus a little bit more on local news and on and being in a position. I, I want to not look at the news until I am going to look at it through the lens of grace and Christ, as opposed to trying to tack the gospel onto the back end of the chaotic, you know, maelstrom of, of bad stuff that's happening out there. And I go, yeah, but I have hope. Now, I want to I start from a position of God is in control. I'm loved, even though I don't deserve it. Uh, I can I can go out there and serve what's going on. What what are the five or six big things that I need to know? So. I, I, I love it. I was talking to a buddy who is in a new married group and they are all around 40, let's say, like the midlife couples in their 40s. Kids. Uh, with kids. Oh, yeah. All. No, I'm just saying they're kids, but whatever. Oh, oh, yeah, they are kids. And to that point that they are kids, uh, they started talking about in-laws and they started talking about relationships with parents, old people like in their 60s, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and so almost to a T, this case study of one um, in Georgia, North Georgia, they were at a point of inability to, they were, the relationships were strained with their parents and their in-laws. They were not able to talk at any level of depth or significance uh, around faith and things that matter with their parents. And it was like nine out of 10, nine out of 10 
were saying, you two, you two, you two. There was a consistency and inability to connect relationally and process spiritually because of the undercurrent of political inundation that their yep. parents were um, focused on thinking about like it was such a primary thing that came up in 80% of the conversations yep. with their parents that it was driving driving distance and brokenness. And if that's happening in a family system with parents, and it was primarily watching a lot of um, conservative, you know, thinking, talking, that was, and these are conservative kids. This isn't like yep. a bunch of liberal kids. They're agreed on most part, but it was even just the breakdown. It, if that's happening in a family, I mean, yep. we know that's happening in the church because we see it everywhere, which breaks my heart for the church and how we're supposed to be an example of unity. Well, the re I mean, the reason that, I mean, I'm a local church guy. The reason I'm thinking about the news is because I, I realized a few years ago that somebody asked me, they said, do you think that there are other voices that are rivaling yours and shaping the people that attend your church. And I laughed and I said, I don't think I'm in the top 10. Yeah. And I said, and they go, really? Who, 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 who is, is shaping them more than you? And I said, like, I'm not, I mean, maybe I'd love to say that it's other pastors, right? I'd love to say, oh, they listen to, you know, this radio station and they're listening to these, you know, they're listening to Tim Keller, they're listening to whatever. I said, oh, it's, it's, political radio yeah. is or it's or it's it's not radio it's just politics and i said so i started to say a little bit in a provocative way i said look if you spend five minutes a day reading the bible and three hours listening to talk radio would you please say to people that you invited this talk radio show host into your heart and that you're their disciple because that's who's shaping you more than jesus and, you know, that's a little unfair, but, but I'm trying to make that point. So I got into this because I saw people growing more anxious, more angry, more political. And I'm like, okay, I, this is comp. I mean, it's almost like this is competition that I got to go fight. Yeah. And for a couple years, uh, I tried to listen to both ends of the radio dial. In the morning, I'd listen to the conservative radio driving into work, and in the afternoon, I'd listen to the liberal uh, radio driving home. And and I was trying to get both sides. I was trying to figure out what was going on. I, it just made me mad all the time, and uh, yeah. it was depressing. And so then you think, well, I'm just not. I'm going to ignore the news completely. I'm not going to pay attention. And I had a friend who basically made me promise, like write a contract almost that I would not bring up any current events. And this was for like years. He was not interested in knowing anything about what was going on in the world. And my agreeing not to talk about it was a condition of our friendship. <laughs> and I was, of course, yanking his chain all the time. Like, wow, did I mean, I know you don't know. And then I mentioned something, you know, I, I, I'd go president and I'd mention some other name, you know, uh, and uh, just to try and yank his chain. But that's what's going on. So the first question I got asked earlier this week, I was in Austin doing one of this Lake Light Institute, this uh, institute think tank that we're doing. It's talking on the news. The first question after I was done talking was, 
what am I going to do at Thanksgiving? Like when my family comes together, because that has not gone well. And how do we do this? And G.K. Chesterton had an interesting thing, and this was, this was talking about conspiracy theories, not about being shaped by the news, but there's overlap there. And uh, he said, yeah, don't try and talk anybody out of their positions. Take them on a walk. Hmm. Like, uh, there's a statement out now that I've been hearing recently called Touch Grass. I get maybe it's maybe it's been around for five years. I'm just too old to have heard it. But uh, it's just, you know, get outside, do something other than talk about the news story. And if you're going to talk about the news story with somebody who's really anxious and agitated, I think it's an opportunity to try and listen really well mm. and just to just decide you're not going to be you're not going to take the bait, but just say, oh, that's interesting. What? Why do you think that? Help me understand. So you think this and you think it for these reasons. You just say, I just need to understand this better and I'm not gonna, not gonna try and win these arguments and debates. Get people outside, you know, go on, take them on a walk, just be a friend, uh, invite them to a party, you know, get them uh, outside of the echo chamber that they're living in and hopefully, uh, you know, there, there's some daylight. Sunshine is a great disinfectant. I love that uh, aspect of the getting out in nature. Uh, there is an intangible value to that in processing um, difficult, heavier things, um, even better than in person inside, which is way better than on the screen, which is even better than on the phone. Uh, but that that dynamic of you know seeking understanding, I. I think 99% of the times it would be foolish to, if it feels like a ping pong or a tennis match, um, you're, you're not loving. And if, if the, the principle I think of anytime I'm triggered, it's an opportunity for two things, me to seek understanding, to understand something different in curiosity, which is humility, which you, you started with that, uh, the indicator, you said the principle at the beginning that anytime you're confused or curious about something that, that's a buoy that goes, oh, this is an opportunity for you to learn and seek understanding, which is how you can love somebody by seeking understanding, listening to them, by meeting their need of attention and uh, by asking questions. The second thing is I think it's such um, interesting indicators. A lot of the political frustrations, anxieties are just uh, buoys to indicate something below the surface in their heart that's missing or that they're looking for or longing for. And so if we can if we can really prayerfully go what is leading to this frustration tension like passion in this person that they're missing you know because they're finding something in the news the passion the burden which is which is not there's a reason they're doing that but there's just something more redemptive that Jesus has for them that if we we get to ask and go say god what is that yeah yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I do think that that technology and AI and all the other things have have allowed people to figure out how to keep people engaged, and the and the easiest way it turns out to keep people engaged is is sort of outrage, anger, fear. You know, that those deeply felt emotions keep people. I'm alive. It's not. It's not love. It's not. You know. It, it's not necessarily a fun emotion, but it's an emotion, and and it 
animates me. And so I've got to sort of, sort of stay engaged. And so we keep people engaged. You keep people online. And again, in some situations, I'm not, there's good journalists out there. I do not want to imply otherwise, but there are people who are just saying, how do I, how do I drive up my numbers? How do I drive up clicks? How do I keep, uh, you know, get subscribers? Easiest way is to tell them what they want to hear and to, um, and to keep them scared, angry, outraged, you know, and so they stay engaged. And so, you know, again, you just got to sort of break that cycle. And I, I challenge people. I say, you know, one of the, one of the things I ran in the Friday update a year ago is I said, look, go on a news fast, limit yourself to a half hour a day tops. I promise you, if something really important is happening, you'll, it will find you. And the number of people who come back and say, I am so much happier now that I turned off in whatever both ends of the radio dial. Now that I've turned that off, I am so much happier. And yeah, yeah I, I think we've got a less is more. That's, that's one of the first rules there. You think we can get, uh, some type of journalist or news to do uh, an evaluation between a correlation between amount of time they have been engaged with that free news source to anxiety and anger. You think mm. you think they would uh, let us know if there's? I'm sure there's assessments out there, but we can't figure them out because they're blocking it. It's got to be well, weird. and and all uh, clarity here. People say they want that kind of news. People say they want deep stories. People say they want, you know, long form journalism. People say that, but that's not what people, that's not what we watch, right? People click yeah. on, I mean, you know, it, it ranges from cat videos to porn, to things that make me angry to, uh, you know, celebrity gossip. I mean, we know what people watch, right? Yeah. That's, the, that's the bad news. So. Those stories do do emerge, but nobody reads them, and that's part of the challenge. Now, I I do think that the market will correct itself. I I hope uh, I I I have hope in Christ. I'm modestly optimistic that that there will be enough people who say, I really really want news that I trust. And I'm willing to pay for it. I, I don't want you to tell me what I want to hear. I just want you to tell me what happened. And I don't want your opinion. I mean, that's one of the things that's happening today is because journalism, because the business model no longer works. I, I mean, I, with a, I met with a Chicago Tribune reporter who had worked for 40 years. He just retired. He said, when I started, there were 600 people on staff at the Trib. And 80% of our money came from car ads and help wanted ads. Wow. 100% of that money is gone, right? It went online. And now we have to have subscribers pay for it. Subscribers, uh, there's far fewer that are willing to pay for it. And the subscribers are only willing to pay for news that, that they like. So if you go too far outside of what they like, then they, then they write you off. And so... So there's a real problem there. Yeah. However, I do think there's a growing number of people that say, I just want, I don't want opinion, which is cheap. And that's why the news, the, the TV news is almost all opinion. They're not doing any real reporting. I don't want opinion. I don't want analysis even. I want to know what happened. 
just on the major things. And I think people are coming around and starting to pay for that and be willing to pay for that. And so that's play, play this out a little bit, uh, five, 10 years, uh, put on your futurist visionary hat. Um, what is your, what, and this is broader than just thinking in news related stuff, but as, as you have a finger and think deeply about this stuff, what is your, what is a hope and what is a concern you have for either the body of Christ, particularly for the church uh, in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, you know, I try to, I, I, I really, really don't like being chicken little. And I say that a lot. Like, I don't want to be the guy that says the sky is falling. Because for one thing, for 2,000 years, as you know, Robbie, there's always somebody saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And they've been wrong. Uh, I don't like the trend lines. Uh, I'm nervous about a handful of things. There's a lot of things going right. Uh, you know, I mean, macroscopically, the last few years, life expectancy has started to come down, but it's massively up over the last hundred years. And, and we are, we, the rivers are cleaner and the air is cleaner. And we've got, we've got labor saving devices. We lift hundreds of millions of people out of abject poverty. There's lots of things that are going well. There's breakdowns, significant breakdowns in terms of trust. We've lost trust in institutions, be it the church, be it the police, be it science, being in journalism. We've got deep polarization. We've got people in the middle, you know, not wanting to raise their head because they don't want to get bit off by the lunatic fringe on either side. Uh, and there's, you know, we've, and we've got tech problems and and we've got cybersecurity issues and I mean you can you can run out a bunch of doomsday scenarios. So I think and part of what I say to people is look, if you're in Christ, this ends well. Like I don't know between now and then what it's going to look like. There may be difficult opportunities in which we get to trust Christ and try and love our neighbor and be the non-anxious presence. I think the church grows, Christians grow more deeply in those times. So I'm not, I just am not anxious. I mean, I got a granddaughter now. I want, I want a world of, you know, moral clarity and economic prosperity and peace. And I want, I want all those things for her and I want to work for those things. Um, I don't know whether that's God's plan or not, but um, I guess I say to people, look, if you're in Jesus, we know how the story ends. Yeah. Like eternity plays out. You get, we get nothing to fear. Between now and then, I don't know whether it gets better or it gets worse. I don't, generally we will face trials. Those are opportunities to grow. And you can be a non-anxious presence and bring that gift to other people. What are you excited about? What are you seeing that's been encouraging to you lately? Well, I, uh, I mean, I, I see some growth in the church. I see some young people who have got a, a, a deep authenticity, a love for Jesus and, and more community. Uh, I, I'm encouraged by that. I'm, I'm amazed at the resources that are available to the church. Uh, I see the church. I was just, I was in overseas. I was in Ghana and I saw the church there and I saw joy and I saw growth. 
mean, there's there's real problems uh, in Africa, but there was just a lot to be excited about what Christ followers were doing. Yeah. Sort of trying to love and care for the widows, the orphans, you know, the least and the lost. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, hey, if you ask ancient historians when they would like to be alive, like 99.9% of them say today. Yeah. <laughs> like if, if you compare the lives we live right now yeah. with people over the last, you know, 5,000 years, you go, oh, yeah, no, now. Yeah. Antibiotics. You know, food, air conditioning, roof. I mean, forget, and then you add in some of the other things. It's, it's there's much to be thankful for. Yeah, God is so much more gracious than we deserve. Um, Praise God on that. And, yeah. and it was yesterday or Wednesday. I was in a meeting, learning about some new ministries that were doing amazing stuff, and I'm like, this is awesome. Like how. Yeah technology and generosity is accelerating kingdom work at an exponential rate. Like every day I'm learning about these new awesome ministries that I'm like, unbelievable. Like we're killing it. Like, uh, there's, there's just some, some cool stuff. I, I echo that. Um, I, I heard on your podcast, you wrapped up with a couple of good questions. So I'm stealing those and put them back no. on you. Oh, well, I, I, fair enough. Cause I stole them from somebody else. So, um, <laughs> We, uh, as a fellow curator and not an originator, this is how we do it, right? Um, yeah. So what uh, books, uh, think, what have you been recommending more than uh, others to, to people around you over the past year? Well, so I, 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 recommend, I recommend a lot of fiction for folks. Uh, so, I mean, I have favorite fiction books. Uh, my favorite is Les Rob. Uh, so I just had Colin Hansen on the podcast. We were talking about all the great Russian writers, you know, Dostoevsky and Solzhenitsyn. And, and so I, I do some of that, but I read light stuff as well. I'm reading a novel right now on conspiracy theories. Uh, Umberto Eco uh, has got a novel about a conspiracy that breaks out. He wrote uh, the, 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 Something of the Rose, The Name of the Rose, The Birth of the Rose, uh, which is a great novel about a murder mystery that takes place in the Middle Ages and a monk has to solve it. So I'm reading, I read a lot of fiction and I think that surprises people. Mm. Uh, I read, I, I read just about anything that somebody recommends if I like that person. So I'm always asking people what they're reading. Yeah. And uh, right now I'm reading a lot of stuff on the news and I'm reading a lot of stuff on Exodus because I'm preaching on Exodus and I'm reading about, um, I'm trying to read more about heaven hmm. uh, because I just think that given a choice between heaven and hell, people want heaven, but given a choice between heaven and earth, most everybody wants earth. And it seems to me like there ought to be a little bit more of a, compelling pull forward yeah and so i'm uh yeah i mean just uh just today i got a book that was recommended by phil uh dr Riken, the president of wheaton on uh, dementia and i'm gonna hand it to a hand it to a friend it's a, a book written by a christ follower gonna hand it to them his mm. wife now has dementia so i'm 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 reading a lot of stuff and uh, handing it out. 
quickly. Uh, I love, let me know the, the good thinking on heaven. Uh, Alcorn's book, Heaven, was catalytic for my yep. wife a couple years ago. Just the more we think about the eternal, the, it, the reframe for the temporary is significant. It, and it was a catalyst in her life and trickled into my kids. They started, they were talking about the new world all the time. And, yep. you know, and just the, uh, the paradigm shift of Titus, my six-year-old would say, Oh yeah, I'm riding a leopard in the New World. You know, you would just <laughs> well, you know, there's a uh, there's a I I didn't write it down when I saw it. I kicked myself for the last twenty years, but there was some medieval theologian who said that in heaven we're all twenty three, <laughs> and uh, I'm going with it. Like you know, I go new knees, and I'm going to run fast, and I'm gonna oh yeah, uh, I am looking forward to uh, yeah to being in heaven. Yeah. I hear you. Well, Mike, I'm going to have you back on and we're going to talk about uh, what you've learned through decades of leadership and how your personal limitations uh, show up wherever you go uh, in your organization's family leadership. That was a principle that we were talking about earlier before recording that yep. I want to pick your brain on um, and, and is worth poking at because I see that um, in my own life. But that'll be for a tease for round two to have you back on the podcast. Uh, as we wrap up, y'all check out MikeWoodruff.org. Um, Sign up for the Friday update so he can do a lot of this synthesizing that takes time so we don't have to. And stop stop watching the news and pay for yeah. it. And, and think differently uh, about leisure and amusement and ask God, God, what do you have for me for restoration? Um, I, I know I'm going to be asking that and praying that um, of God, how do I enter into res restoration? And the Sabbath is uh, a pretty important uh, thread line that might be an indicator of one of his ideas for, for me. Uh, so Mike, I'd love for you to bless us and pray for us as we wrap up. And thanks for, thanks for being a faithful, uh, follower and leader and a thought leader for me. So it, it's been a lot of fun, man. Well, um, Lord God, we, we pause aware that we are uh, stewards of many opportunities and we want to use and, and, uh, we want to steward the gifts and abilities, the opportunities that you've given us well to your glory. So help us see ourselves more clearly, help us see opportunities, help us see others, especially those that are hurting, and uh, to love and serve well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, y'all. See ya.